Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Is this going to go air next week? Yeah. Okay. So I want to start doing, so we'll leave this in. I want to start doing a monthly giveaway, like every single month the first Friday of every month. So I'm going to need your help remembering. We might have to put some reminders. Um, this is today, you're, you're listening to this. It is September 4th, which means it's the first Friday of September. I want to give away a tailored shirt and a tailored shaker bottle just because that's like... Sick. That's what we have right now. Yeah. I actually, I, I think I have a new design for a new shirt. You know the logo that's on the uh, face mask? Mm-hmm. That's that big TCM. Yeah. Imagine like a blank black shirt with that huge on the back and then potentially like a circle. I might have like you helped me create a design, yeah. but I think it'd be sick to have just one with like big ass stamp on the back, like dope. TCM yeah. easily. Um, but we'll give you guys, uh, whoever wins, obviously I'll tell you what you got to do to win um, a TCM shirt and a TCM shaker bottle. Is this for a podcast giveaway and you're not going to do this on the Instagram or anything? not going to do this on Instagram. However, <laughs> it requires you doing something on Instagram. So what uh, I want to do is basically if you're listening to this, um, cause I, usually we always say leave a five star rating review. Yeah. A lot of people are like, well, I already left one. So what I'm out of the running. So if you haven't left a five star rating review, you got to do that to win. Otherwise, like basically we're going to fact check, make sure everybody's already left a five star rating view and you have to share the podcast on Instagram. Okay. So the whole point I know, is, I know that's going to be a common question. How, how are you yeah. going to, how are you going to fact check it? Uh, pull up iTunes. Okay. Pull up Instagram, try to match Figure the, the names. Name. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Sometimes it's fine. Then sometimes people will have like foil lover 73 yeah. at hotmail.com. You're like, what? Yeah. I mean, you love foil. If you really want this to win the uh, giveaway, just DMS and let us know what you named yourself. On exactly. ITunes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're not trying to go search for you. So five star rating review. Uh, you have to post it on your story and tag myself and tag two friends. Sick. That would like the podcast. Cool. So obviously, it's no, no, it's like shock. This is also to promote the podcast. Yeah. Get people listening to it. Um, but it's a free show. So the best thing for you guys to do in order to help me is win something that's not free mm-hmm. <laughs> to do something free. So post on Instagram, tag myself, tag two of your friends or coworkers or family or anybody you think that would like the podcast. Leave a five star rating review, and then we will pick one. Uh, probably like within a week. Yeah. Five star, ratings reviews usually take about a week, so we'll probably announce this next week or the following Monday. But you'll hear mid-September if you want, and then next month we'll do it the first week. Okay. Sick. Boom. There's so, the instructions. <clears throat> I'll remind you. Yeah, we got to put a reminder down. Okay, so this is uh, Q&A, so we are going to start here with the first question that comes from uh, Angela Du. Plessis. I've been counting macros for a while now, and I am in a cut at the moment. I'm planning on doing it for, for 12 weeks with two high-carb days per week. My macros at the moment for high-carb are 150-200-300 slash 
slash 55. And low carb is 150, 160, 55. My weight is still going down and I'm five weeks in. Once it slows down, I will drop calories a little more. I am then planning to go up to maintenance for 12 to 14 weeks and doing a cut again in January 2021. And then I'm going to go to maintenance bulk in April for like six months or more. Does this sound like a good plan? Um, I think you read it again, or have you? No, I think I think it depends on how aggressive that is for you, and and really, like numbers don't tell me how aggressive it is because, you know, I could have how how heavy did she say she was right now? Like, what does she weigh? Did she mention? Doesn't doesn't say. Okay, so let's say she's a hundred and forty pound female. Well, a 1200 or a 1300 or whatever calorie diet is going to be different for you than for the next 140 pound female. So it's so different that it's hard for me to say, is that a good plan or is that not? Um, I do like that you had a maintenance phase between the two diet phase that was just as long as the diet phase. I think that's important where a lot of people will go 12 weeks of cutting. They'll take like four weeks off and then jump back into it, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you're taking a little bit more time in between during the holidays. It sounds like, which is probably a smart idea for adherence too. But if I'm just speaking like theoretically in like a perfect world, like I can just design this and you're going to follow it and it's going to work. I actually probably would lean on doing a shorter diet break and getting all the fat loss done. Because I think like, you know, after 12 to 14 weeks, you've gained a little bit of the weight back just mm. naturally from being at maintenance. Um, you weren't in a surplus. You probably reverse dieted up to maintenance during that time. So it's it's an okay recovery period. But it's most likely going to be best to just get the dieting out of the way and then take three times as long at maintenance afterwards and then focus on strength, performance, building muscle, health, whatever. So I think, you know, if you went 12 weeks of cutting, like realistically, I would just go straight 24 weeks of cutting and then have like a one week diet break every three to four weeks. That way you have your diet breaks throughout that 24 weeks. So um, even for myself, like we're kind of like planning out my cut and like the first thing we talked about was like, dude, Thanksgiving, Christmas, (laughs) like, it's going down. I'm not skipping it. So diet breaks go in there. So it's like, okay, we have this huge block of time. We know that these two places are going to have diet breaks. How long do we have before the first one? How long do we have between them? And then it gives you some structure. But typically I think that's better than like kind of like jumping in, jumping out of the deficit. Even if you do have that break in between, it's like just get it done with, take a diet break, and then move on to the next cut. For sure. Or the next phase, which is going to be maintenance or something. Yeah. So pretty simple. Yeah. But it's not a horrible plan. But that's probably Just the route not, I would go. Well, without the lack, the little bit of lack of info, yeah, may not be completely accurate. Yeah. Um, Derek, Mir, my lo- my lower body seems to require very little volume, but my upper body seems to require more. Am I better off doing upper lower push pull legs instead of just push pull to get an extra upper day in? I'm a competitive uh, power lifter, but also like to work on muscle development and size, especially in the off season. I think it's a great split. I think, yeah, yeah, like a lot of times there's like very, there's just a little bit more volume on a upper lower push pull legs compared to an upper lower split because both your leg days are exactly the same as an upper lower split. So if you're training four days a week versus the five, it's the same thing. The difference is you're going to get a little bit more pulling and pushing because you have that push pull day. Um, depending on how you program it. I think it's a great split. I think it's definitely more hypertrophy focused. So if you're in the off season and you're like, I know I need to put on some size in order to improve my powerlifting when I get back to the competitive season, 
then I think it's a great split because you're increasing a little bit of volume. You're going to put on a little bit more size. Um, I, I typically don't like training legs more than twice a week anyway. I've done a, a six-day upper-lower split where it's like upper-lower, upper-lower, upper-lower. And it works, but each each lowered body day has to have just like a few exercises. Because if you're doing three days of legs per week, that's like a full leg day. Yeah. You're just demolished. Yeah. Like you're just smashed. So I think two days is plenty for legs anyway. And there's more musculature in your upper body. I mean, there's shoulders, chest. There's a bunch of different back muscles. Your core, your biceps, your triceps, your forearms. Like there's so many different things. Whereas legs, it's glute, hamstring, squats. Yeah. You know, maybe calves. If you train calves, I don't. A lot more but simple. Super simple. Yeah. And then it's just less variety that needs to be done. Um, so if you need to put on size, I think it's a great split. If your goal is powerlifting, though, I don't think it's the best split because mm-hmm. it's just not focused enough on the compounds. It's not – it's a bodybuilding split. Yeah. You know? so like, but I think it's a good blend for the two because – and this is what in the – we have the performance bodybuilding program inside the elite. The five-day plan is like this. So we have two days, upper, lower, that are more powerlifting focused. It's – there's like speed work, power work, strength work. It's like very heavy stuff. And then the push-pull legs is much more bodybuilding focus. So I'm not worried about your incline bench press increasing over time. I want you to slow down, have tension, accumulate volume, and we're changing those movements more frequently. Uh, and it's a great program for anybody who wants strength and size. But like if you want just size, I'd probably go push-pull legs. Yeah. If you want just strength, I'd probably go <clears throat> upper-lower. So that's a, your recommendation. If your goal is powerlifting the five-day – uh, performance. It'd be, it'd be okay temporarily in your off season, like he's saying for yeah. sure. But if you're, if, but if you, but here's the thing too, is like, if you're in your off season of powerlifting, you have to go, okay, like what's my weak point? Mm. You know, what's going to help me improve this off season to get better for my in season, right? Yeah. If the answer is strength or performance of any kind, then I wouldn't go the route of trying to put on as much muscle. You need to just focus on strength. But if you're strong as hell, you're there, you just need to put on a little bit more muscle mass. Um, or let's say like your weak point in your deadlift is your lats, your weak point in your bench press is your triceps, like secondary muscles, then push-pull legs, the, the upper-lower push-pull legs would be great because it's isolation work, a lot of more isolation work than the typical upper-lower. But for a powerlifting program, you're going so heavy that intensity is through the roof. So I like to have more rest days throughout the week because intensity is going to be more draining on the nervous system. Sure. You, you can't do that that often, whereas bodybuilding isn't as intensive on the nervous system. So you can do push-pull legs. You're training six days a week. Yeah. It's easier to do. Um, but, yeah, I think if your goal is strength and size, obviously I think it's a good split. Yeah. For sure. All right, so we got next question from Jessica Randall. Keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> When taking a diet break during a fat loss phase, how do you know what to set your maintenance calories at since true maintenance has decreased over the course of a fat loss phase? Um, good question. I think like yeah. there's two ways to go about it. You can test the waters, mm-hmm. just bring it right back up to your old maintenance, see what happens. If you gain... Can I interrupt you? Yeah. How long are you bringing it back to that old maintenance uh, to test the waters? Depends. Until you see something. I mean, it, it depends on how long. So, like, in most cases, I'd be like, well, what are your diet breaks in the future going to be like? So, if they're like, oh, I'm going to do, you know, 10 days on, 3 days off, then you're going to test the waters with a 3-day split. Okay. Um, if you're just taking a single refeed day, just test it with a single refeed day. If it's a week, take a week. But no matter what, you want to test the waters with whatever protocol you're going to use going forward because you want to test that protocol before you get knee-deep into the diet, right? But you're going to have to diet for a little bit before you even take a diet break anyway. So, you're going to be in the diet. Um, but I would do it at your old maintenance and just see what happens. If you gain a couple pounds and then it goes away after a few days, 
you're fine. That's mm-hmm. just water. But if you gain three or four pounds and it like lingers, then you probably overshot. So the next refeed or diet break should be a little bit lower. So you can definitely just test the waters and then go, okay, I'm just going to drop it by 40, 50 grams carbs, see what happens this time. And then test waters again. If it works great, great. Or you can essentially drop your refeeds to the same percentage that you dropped your deficit. Unless you dropped like, if you're doing an aggressive diet, I wouldn't suggest that. But a conservative diet, you take 5 to 10% of your calories off, right? You create a 5 to 10% deficit. Well, wherever you're, you're, so when you do that, so it's, it's, this is actually a pretty hard question now that I start thinking about it. If I go into a deficit 5 to 10%, my maintenance at the beginning is still going to be where it was. Okay. So I'll stick with that as long as I can. My second adjustment to the diet, I'm going to drop 5 more percent of my calories. At that point, I'm going to drop my refeed or diet break numbers by 5%. If I drop 5 more percent later on in the diet, because I had another plateau, diet break drops 5% again. So basically, besides the first adjustment getting into the deficit, because when you first get into the deficit, your maintenance is still right where it was, you should drop the diet break by the same percentage that you drop the rest of your calories, which makes a lot of sense if we're doing an aggressive approach too, actually, because if we drop our calories 25%, because we're taking a really aggressive approach, you you can't drop your diet break calories 25% or else you're just in the deficit all the time. So gotcha, yeah. drop it 25%, keep it there. And then when you hit a plateau, you're not going to drop it another 25% because then you <laughs> will be eating like nothing. You'll probably drop it like three to 5%, drop the diet break three to 5%, right? And so the, the diet break kind of just follows the, the decline yeah. or the decreases you make to your deficit period. Mm. Um, just goes hand in hand. Yeah, Absolutely. essentially. Um, I mean, there's, and there's a bunch of ways to do it. Like I've, I've, had a period of time where I would add like 35% of carbs back, which I'm not sure where I got that from, <laughs> but it worked. And it was like, was it a coach or I, I honestly, I can't remember. Yeah. I might've uh, got it from a coach or heard it from a certification course or something, but it's but up there. It's up there. It's, <laughs> it's in the cloud. <laughs> yeah. Got it from something. But if I drop, you know, if, if your calories are 200 grams or your carbs are 200 grams per day, and we take a refeed at 35% increase. I don't know what that is off the top of my head, but, you know, you go, okay, that's two, 265 grams carbs today or whatever it may be. Um, and that actually always worked, you know. Um, I know people that are just add 50 grams carbs in your refeed days, which I think is on the conservative side. Um, but for, for a 110-pound female, it's probably plenty to for do sure. the work, do the job, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and it really depends too. Like now that we know that diet breaks are more psychological than physiological, like I'm probably one of the only ones going, I wouldn't say I'm one of the only ones I've talked to a couple of people about this, but I still kind of go against the grain and say, I think there is some physiological stuff going on, but because we know it's more psychological and that's for sure, then really there's like no too conservative of a diet break. Because if I give you 50 grams carbs and you just gives you some more wiggle room and you have less stress then it works, right? Go. Even if you could handle 100 grams carbs. But we give you 50, you're just as happy and just as stress-relieved psychologically. Nope, no reason to go to 100. No reason to go to 100 because now you're still on a deficit. You know? <clears throat> For sure. But I think there's a lot of ways you can spin it. Yeah. That's good. All right. Um, our next question comes from Anita Marie. I've recently started weight training again after taking five months off. I've studied your power building training structure heavily and decided to run up, run the upper lower push pull leg split. My goal is to gain strength and muscle, but I am, I, but I miss running. Is there a way to fit running into the split I mentioned without interfering with gaining muscle and strength? To what degree would running affect my goals? 
would a different split be better to do both running and strength training? Um, I definitely think a different split would be better, but I'll get to that in a second. This is something I'm going through with one of my clients too. And it's a hard battle because somebody coming to you that wants purely aesthetic, they're like, I want to have less fat, build more muscle, I want to get stronger. Like I'm thinking long term, right? Like I want to get leaner and, and more muscular. My first response is like stop long distance running because it's just wearing tear on your joints. Your body will adapt to it as you get good at it. So you're not going to burn a ton of calories eventually. Um, and even if you do burn a lot of calories, you, you start to uh, like gluconeogenesis and, and breakdown of protein starts to happen because you're running for so long unless you're drinking protein and carbs during your work run, which is hard for most people. <laughs> um, but mentally, people love running don't want to stop running. So you have to, like as a coach, you have to like figure that out. Like you have to honor that. So for your situation, I would basically do one of two things. If you're okay, just doing one long run per week. I think the upper lower push pull leg splits great. You have upper lower long run push pull legs, take a rest day, or you can take a rest day, push pull legs, then a long run on Sunday. Um, That's going to be your best bet. If you're like, I can't, like I have to run at least a couple times a week, I would go with the upper lower split because as soon as you start adding running on top of your lifting days, it's just dragging out the the training session too far, stress on the body is too high, um, energy reserves are going to get too low. Like you're just burning too many calories. And if your goal, she said her goal was muscle growth, right? Yeah. So if your goal is muscle muscle growth, then you want to slow down uh, caloric expenditure. We even have uh, a member... Caroline's working with who has competitive aspirations, like wants to get on stage and stuff, but she needs to gain some weight right now, like build some muscle. And like, it's a, it's a matter of like, okay, we need to purposely step less. So -hmm. most people are like, Hey, let's get your steps up. You know, like for this individual, it's like, Hey, I want you to step less. You have too many steps because you're burning too many calories every day. Stop doing cardio, stop walking. You know, um, some people you need to, like, if they want to build muscle, they have to stop burning so many calories because otherwise you're, your food is just going right to burning yeah. versus building. So yeah. um, I would probably recommend only running once a week. If if you were like, hey, I can do whatever you say, and I'll, like it doesn't matter about running or anything like that, just do whatever you think would be best, I would probably tell you no long-distance running. Um, I would want you doing like one conditioning day where you're doing like, like a good progression would be uh, four four-minute intervals. So like you could run for four minutes, take two-minute rest, uh, rower for four minutes, two minutes rest, assault bike, four minutes, two minutes rest, sled poles, four minutes straight, two minute rest, mm-hmm. or you're done after that. And then next week, fives, next week, six minutes, next week, seven minutes until you get to like 10 minutes. And then you reverse back down and increase intensity as the duration lowers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have this kind of like cycle of, of increasing volume and, in, uh, uh, and duration of the conditioning while lowering intensity because you have to sustain it mm-hmm. and then reversing that back to a higher intensity model. Um, gotcha. And you can even reverse it. Like I've had people do 10 minutes on the rower, 10 minutes on salt bike, 10 minutes on running. And then next week is eight minutes. Next week is six minutes. Next week is four minutes and two minutes and one minute then 30 seconds. And we have more rounds as the intervals shrink, but your intensity is going higher. So by the end of the 12 week block, you're doing sprints when you were running two miles, you know? Um, But that's a better protocol for body composition changes and performance than just going, I'm going to run for 40 minutes because you're going to get really good at running for 40 minutes and your body's going to stop adapting. You're just going to be, I always say like, you're going to become a hybrid, right? Like, and now you're just really fuel efficient. Fuel is calories. Calories is stored fat. So if we can be inefficient, we can burn more fat. 
which is why I like changing the cardio on a weekly basis, changing the tool you're using. Um, but that, that conditioning circuit, like that's something I love to do. I have more fun doing that than running four miles, um, which I don't even know if I can run four <laughs> miles straight. <laughs> I get bored too quick. Yeah. Um, and I'll probably gas out, but like people like her, they're like, oh, I just want to run. Yeah. I just want to keep going. Forrest Gump style, you yeah. know, just yeah. keep going. And it's like, that's just not that conducive to muscle growth for those goals, for those goals. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, if you feel like you need to, I would go upper lower split two days of running or that with one day of running. If you're really like, I don't care about running. I just want to build as much muscle and get stronger, which I don't think is the case. <laughs> then I would go with the protocol she I said suggested. That. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, next question is Jesse Kellar 13 or Keller. I think my maintenance was around 17 to 1800. I'm 16 weeks in on a fat loss and down 10 pounds. My calories are low right now, down to 1,200 to 1,300, and it's sustainable for now. My plan is to end at 24 weeks, but I want to include diet breaks, but I have never done it before. What should I increase or yeah, what, what should I increase my calories to and how often? I really don't want to ruin my metabolism by staying so low for, for long and not see progress, but I want to lose another about another six pounds. Another diet break question. So, I mean, one, refer back to the other question as far as how to calculate that because you're going to yeah. want to eat at maintenance. Um, for you, if you're like, I have no idea what my old maintenance was and I have no idea what my new maintenance is because I haven't taken any diet breaks, I would probably start with like that 50-gram carb mark. Yeah. Add 50 grams carbs, see what happens. Next time, maybe try to push it to 60. Next time, maybe to 70. Next time, to 80. And then if you get to 90 and it's like overshot, then take a little bit longer in the deficit before your next refeed or diet break and then go back to that 70 or 80 mark. There you go. Because um, that's your sweet spot. Now, if you're saying that you've gone this far and you want to keep dieting, like, because cause I look at it like it's like, are you going to implement diet breaks like a two-day, three-day diet break every few weeks? Or are you talking like, I want to get out of the diet for a little bit and then come back to it, which goes back to the first question. And I'd say, you know, you could take a four to six week maintenance period and then get back to the diet, or you can just take a week off, get back to it for as many weeks as you can before diet fatigue starts to accumulate again yeah. and then go back into the diet. Um, but the best thing to do, I probably would just inch it up, add 50 grams, see what happens, go a little bit further, further, further. Um, I, I wouldn't like fear of ruining your metabolism. I don't think there, you really can't literally ruin your metabolism. You can't break your metabolism you can create dysfunction or slow it down, but you can speed it back up. Yeah. Um, the part you want to avoid is if you slow it down too much there or you go. go too aggressively or stress the body out too much, it becomes harder to speed it up. And what you're going to have to do to speed it up is gain weight because yeah. your body's like, you either put on fat give it or give me more food. Yeah. But usually if you give me more food, I'm going to put on more fat. Either way, it needs to like the thermostat needs to be dialed either way. Um, so I would probably look into that. I would I would look at, um, yeah. I think the the whole thing. Me and Sam were talking about this when he was here. It's like a like duration, intensity, frequency. So like, how long is the diet? How intense is the diet? How often are you dieting? Those are the three things that are going to determine how healthy your metabolism is. Mm -hmm. So if you've been at it for sixteen weeks and you want another six pounds to lose, I think you have another eight weeks in you for sure. I mean, t six months, twenty four weeks is probably about where I would cap it. So I would probably just keep pushing and take small diet breaks like 
one, two, three days just for the psychological benefit, just to get you through those last eight weeks. Once you get there, just start reversing. And the good thing about the reversing too is if you take these refeeds or diet breaks and let's say you find out that adding 65 grams of carbs for a few days is kind of your sweet spot where you don't really put on any weight but you feel better, Mm. well, then your first jump in reverse dieting should be just below that, like 40, 45 grams because that's going to – you're going to feel that after a couple weeks of eating that much more food, but it's not so much that you're going to put on fat. So it's a good initial bump in your reverse diet, but you're only going to know that if you test the water with these diet breaks along the way. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. That's and see, that's like a lot of the stuff that like you can't do a research study on that. Yeah. You know, so like when people like three of the questions today are om- were almost the same. Uh, diet breaks. Yeah, yeah, but I answered them differently because yeah. there's so many different contexts, and like this is why I really respect people who do appreciate the science, but they base majority of their coaching on experience because there's certain things you just can't explain. You know, like there's, there's been things and even you can't put that many very, well, correct me if I'm wrong. You can't put that many variables there's in a study in a study. Yeah. And there's a shit ton of variables in diet breaks. Yeah. Well, and I would assume too, like most people, unless they're doing a study on stress response, I got to imagine like, you know, if you're qualified for a study, you're not under eating, you probably don't have a ton of responsibilities cause you got to come to the lab every day. Um, you're probably in school, which means you're probably younger. Cause a lot of times I use college students and stuff like that. Like there's the list of things that to qualify you for the study usually mean you got to be somewhat in a good place. Yeah. So if somebody comes to me and they're like, well, I'm stressed out. Yeah. Can't lose weight. I've been dieting on and off. Like you're exactly what we don't see in a study. Exactly. So what I'm going to do to help you is going to be based on my experience. There you go. Um, but I also think, and that's, that's why great. I'm, that's why I'm excited by the time this airs, it'll be closed. So. Uh, but the mentorship, Sorry, is, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it hasn't started yet, but the doors will be closed. Um, the, uh, that's why I'm excited about that. Cause like one of the biggest benefits I think of the mentorship is like, yes, the course is badass. Like the 12 weeks are really informative and helpful and the lectures are great, but the live round table that we'll do every week where you get to talk to me, Brandon and Caroline on video and we're answering your questions, mm-hmm. that's going to be the, in, in the Facebook group of interaction, that's going to be the biggest benefit because the biggest issue most coaches face, especially new coaches, is lacking confidence in what they're prescribing their clients. Absolutely. They're writing a training program. They're writing a diet plan. They're adjusting macros. And they're like, is this the right thing to do for them? Yeah. I don't know. And that's where we're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what you would do. Or yes, this is why I would do it. And that's why mentors and stuff like that's so important. They give you specifics and I don't want to say case studies, but like their own personal stu- or uh, experiences and say, did I do this right? Or if I if I were to think about it doing it this way, is that what you would recommend? hundred percent. It helps. It helps so much. Um, I think that's the, and that's why like one of the reasons we did is because I've done so many courses that were great, but I never talked to the speaker. Not once. So if I had questions, it's like, fuck, I got to Google this and try to figure it out. Um, And if, if it's, there's a Facebook group attached to it, it's like the customer service rep who's answering questions and there's like 600 people in there, you know, like, whereas this, we capped it at, you know, you're, a small amount of people. You're so asking people in the Facebook group. Exactly. They're also taking the course. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and the, there's three coaches and 15 students. Like yeah. that's a small group of people. So we're yeah. really helping, but, um, it's actually funny. I, I was on the phone with a guy last week, I think it was, um, just like a, a sales call for a new client. Um, which is always funny. Cause I, whenever I talk to people, they're like, it's weird. I didn't think you would be the one calling me. <laughs> And I'm like, hell yeah. I still What's up, get, bud? <laughs> I love it because the people listen to podcasts. Yeah. And then I get to talk to them on the phone when they get into our company. It's like I want to get to know everybody. Yeah. Obviously, I can't take all the calls. Yeah. Um, I don't even take half of them. But 
I take whatever ones I can. Yeah. Uh, but I was talking to him, and he was actually like, actually, a friend referred me that goes through you guys, um, and I just looked like through Google and stuff. But what's your what's your background? Like, why are you doing? That? And I was like, damn, you didn't even. You didn't even look anything up. Yeah. Like, you just applied just because you trusted her. I mean, that's pretty dope. That but cool. So I sat there, and I was like, well, you know, like, I'm certified in this and this and this and this and this. And I was like, damn, I have a lot of fucking certifications, <laughs> which it isn't like so my email signature, signature just keeps getting longer and longer and longer with all yeah. these because I don't put them all. But it, it just goes to show, like, I've done probably, like, five or six nutrition certifications that – Essentially teach the same thing. Yeah. Eh, probably like four or five. But they all essentially teach the same thing. But it's a different point of view. It's yeah. a different perspective. It's using different research. And like that makes me such a better coach because you learn how to do these things through other people's experience, yeah. not just science, you know? Not even gonna, we're not even going to go into going to see people's seminars. I've already seen them three times. I know. They talk about it in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've seen uh, – I mean I've seen a couple of people like two or three times like yeah. the same fucking talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like – yeah, it's worth me going again, yeah. or or even maybe I was, they said it differently. Yeah, hundred percent. Or I mean, like my, your uh, outlook on things change all the time. Yeah, and if they, you know, like I did the same exact talk mm-hmm. uh, in when did we go to San Diego? You didn't come with me that no, time. February. February, yep. and as I did in November when we went to Scottsdale, same exact speech at the Impact Collective. Yeah. Except in San Diego, I had two days. Yeah. And I had a lot of feedback and perspective from the last time. Mm. So I made my speech longer, split it into two, and it was like a completely different dynamic. So there was people there from the last one that didn't even realize it was the same speech until they saw some of the same pictures. Yeah. But you learn as you present, and you can mm. tweak and get it better and better. Um, and plus, I always tell people, too, like young coaches, I even have like a couple of mentor clients. I remember, like, well, what's my next step? Like, what's the next thing I should do right now? And sometimes it's like, man, you're doing a lot of the right things. I don't want you to do something new and fuck it up. Like, it's just consistency now. You know, like, just keep doing it. Yeah. But I, you should start going to seminars just to network. Like, yeah. go get your name out there and just meet fucking people. Mm-hmm. Like, that's huge. Yeah. But uh, dude, Consistency is hard to believe in. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe in. Because it, it doesn't, it obviously, it doesn't have a quick ROI. Yeah. And... People are like, dude, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something <laughs> it's else. It's got to be a different way. Yeah. yeah. And and I understand it. I mean, yeah, I'm not starting my own business, but you know what I mean? I've seen it happen, yeah. and it's just like, god damn, we're doing it again? Yeah. But a year or two or whatever you want to call it, you're like, whoa. So I think that – pays off. I think two things, and this might be kind of harsh for some people to hear. <laughs> I think Say if you doubt consistency, you either A, aren't actually doing what you love, or B – shouldn't be running a business. Yeah. You should work for somebody else because I think that like, even for you, dude, like it kind of is a crazy, like how long ago we started doing content Mm -hmm. and how quick that's gone. Yeah. And there's never been a point where you're like, like, when's it going to pay off? Yeah. Like I need this faster. Yeah. Besides like, dude, I really want to quit my fucking job. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, all right, cool. We're still doing content. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I think that, but like you love what you do. So Mm -hmm. I think it's different. You know, like for me, it's been so long of being consistent, but there's never been a point where like I was frustrated about it because I just love what I do. Absolutely. So it's like, it's just easy. Yeah. That's a good way. When you said that you, I don't remember the first thing you said, like you shouldn't be doing this or you don't really love what you do. 
it's because it shouldn't feel like consistency. Yeah. Like, you ju- I'm just repeating what you said, but that's yeah. so true. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, too, is, like, I want to do more. If you're like, no, like, I love coaching. I love coaching, but I'm still frustrated with consistency, then maybe you shouldn't own a business. Maybe you should be a coach working for somebody else because the, the Whole thing that's— Whole different ballgame. Yeah, the thing that's stressing you out is the marketing, the revenue, the back-end— leading managing content content creation like literally there's so many things behind the scenes that people don't see that stuff is stressing you out like that stuff you you struggle with being consistent like for me i love the entrepreneur business side of it like i love it i love running the team i love doing the marketing i love digging into the marketing and copywriting and content so for me i never get worried about how fast our business is growing or what we're doing because i fucking love it yeah um but I think there's a lot of people who love coaching who don't love that side of things. And actually, I know there's some because there's multiple people on the, our team that I was like, yeah. like, what, what do you really want? They're like, I don't want to do business shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to coach people. I love yeah. coaching. And I'm like, you're a perfect fit Yeah, because I love business stuff. Yeah. So it's like I think it's, it's one you, of those things. You also love, obviously, love coaching. Yeah. Do you love the entrepreneur stuff more? I don't know if I can say I love it more. I think at this point I have to prioritize <laughs> well, that's a, it. More. That's a different story. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I, mean? I guess when you're by yourself, like I, I don't know, man. I think like here's here's the thing: is like if you took out like I want to say obviously because you went the, that route. Yeah, but it, it's really a question: like, did you really love it more, or did you? I think that I went that route because I knew my coaching impact could be greater if I did that. Cause there's a certain point where you go, I love coaching so much because I love the way it impacts people, but I can impact a hundred times more people. If I built a team of people doing what I do. Yeah. What well, do you realize? Hey, I'm, I'm not like anybody out there. They're realize that damn, I'm an extremely good nutrition coach. I could teach other people or, like you say, build a team or teach other people how to do this as well as I do to make an impact on them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's where the entrepreneur comes. Like yeah. you're not making an impact on client base. Now you're using your skill set and passion and yeah. all the above to teach others to be better coaches. Yeah. Which is what you're doing with our team. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I think that there there just comes this point where you have to make that decision. Like, yeah, is that the right? And then, and then when you do, you go There's okay, a, a crossroads. <laughs> yep. And it goes back to that whole pain and pleasure comparison. Is the mm. pleasure of serving all these people, creating this big vision, all that stuff, worth the pain, sacrifice, discipline of this laundry list of shit that you have to do to make sure you can run a functional business? You yes. know, and. If you're somebody like me, it was like, of course, no doubt. Yeah. There's no like, I, I don't even look at the list and think like that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. I'm like, I don't even want to see it. Let me just start working my way through it because I knew that's what I wanted, you know. And I think that sure. wouldn't happen if I didn't love coaching so much because absolutely, there was never a point in my life where I was like, I'm going to be a business owner. There wasn't like it was literally like, I just want to work out for a living. That's yeah. literally all <laughs> I thought about. I was like, if I can just like spend my day in a gym and lift, like, pff, I'm so happy. <laughs> And then I was like, okay, it transitioned. it transitioned and you know, like, and then you start learning about training and you realize that like you can help more people if you know more. And then at a certain point I was just like, I want to do this my way. Like this is the move. And then do you want to do it or not? I want to do it. And I think people like me are attracted. A lot of milestones. Yeah. I mean, turning points. I think, I think you have to in a, in like kind of like a psychotic way be 
like attracted to the stress yeah. of an entrepreneurship. Like honestly, because absolutely, because I w- I surrounded myself with a lot of business owners and I saw the bad side of like what they had to go through, the stress, the overhead, all those issues. And it didn't like make me flinch. It was like, Bring it on. I want those problems, <laughs> you know, like as much as you hate the problems when they happen, but, yeah. uh, but no, man, I think it's, you're gonna, and I don't know how, how you take this, but you have to be in some sort of way of obviously a very strong individual. Like it's not something you just give up on. Yeah. I mean, like I love what I do and I'm, I think I, like I love it enough to where I think I could run a business, but do I want to? Absolutely not. Like, not because I've seen it, like, yeah. backside, but, like, if you say, all right, I got this, I'm going to start it, and you start it, and then you're like, oh, shit, I can't do this. It's like, you're here. It's a yes or no question. Yeah, yeah it goes back to that thing you said earlier, the belief. You can't do consistency without the belief. Yeah. You know, and you have to believe in what you're doing. You have to believe in your ability to it. You even have to believe in, in like, what is the service you're going to offer. So, if like, doing what you do, and you're like, yeah, I want to start my own business. Like, okay, what are you selling? It's like, oh, shit. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, well, you got to figure that out and yeah. believe that. You know well, what I mean? So Selling your service. Yeah. I mean, that's an answer to everybody. But. Yeah. But then eventually, how do you scale that? Oh, dude. You know, you got to, okay, well, know. now I got to teach somebody else how to do what I do, and then I got to lead them to do, you know what I mean? It's like this, it's a ladder. Yeah. But I don't even know what the original question was anymore, but I think, like, at the end of the day. I don't know either. I don't even think it had anything to do with business. It was diet breaks. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking the mentorship and talking about being in classes that have 600 people and three coaches. Oh, yeah, that's right. But and we're not going to do that to you guys. I don't remember where we got that. Yeah, I don't know either. I really don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, next question. That was a good rant, though. Yeah. That was a really good rant. I mean, we're just talking about the mentorship. Yeah. But yeah, that's that awesome. Good. You said by by this time next week, it will, the doors will be closed. And yeah, yeah. All right, next question. It's going to be from Courtney. I train five to, five to six days a week. I'm 5'1", and when I am my, my leanest, I'm about 111 pounds. Been tracking macros for years. However, it seems I can only get to my leanest when I cut fat, when I cut fat drastically. <coughs> Current macros are uh, 140, 140, and 30 for a three-week three cut. It's our current macros. I've tried cutting with different macro proportions, still in a caloric deficit, but not, but not lose weight. A recent cut at 120, 140 got me nowhere in eight weeks. I'm just curious if you had a client like this, do you recommend cutting fat that, that low for a short amount of period, period of time? Um, you know, like I've, I've had clients that do better on low fat, high carb diets and clients that have done better on low carb, high fat diets. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of it has to do with adherence. Um, some of it has to do with physiology. I mean, if you have PCOS, potentially a low carb diet would work better theoretically, but I even have, uh, one of my clients who's a BJJ athlete, she has PCOS and we're on a high carb diet. I just had to work her up to a certain point because she's an athlete. She needs that, but she had PCOS. We had to be careful. It was kind of like this, it was a process, but now we're there. Um, and she loves it. She was like, I thought that was impossible. Like I thought PCOS meant you can't have carbs, but I, I don't know of anybody who's like, Oh, anytime I do, uh, like lower carbs, more fats, it doesn't work. Cause at the end of the day, like theoretically speaking, like it's calories in versus calories out. So if you create the same caloric deficit, 
you're going to see the same results. I think that you may have better results with a higher carb approach because your performance is going to be better. Recovery is going to be better. Maybe you're more satiated. Um, I prefer a higher carb approach, but I think that's like, I think most of the time it really just comes down to calories and most science shows it just comes down to calories. It doesn't matter what you do with fats and carbs. In my experience, I think a higher carb diet does work better um, or a moderately high carb diet. Um, But I don't think that I, I think what's going on here is there's actually something else that's causing you to not actually be in a deficit when you do that. So maybe when you do low fat, you cut out oils, maybe you're measuring oils wrong. And when you're on the 40 grams of fat diet, maybe you're actually consuming 55 grams because mm. one tablespoon of olive oil is 16 grams of fat. So if you, if you track teaspoons by accident instead of tablespoons that, and you do that twice a day, that's 20 extra grams of fat. You know what I mean? Like that's a lot oh, of fat. Yeah. Um, and that's a little tiny thing. You know what I mean? So you don't use oil. Yeah. Or maybe you're measuring <laughs> peanut butter with a tablespoon and you're letting it like hover over. Well, eight grams of fat is one tablespoon. But if you go over by a quarter, it's actually 10 to 12 grams of fat. And this just barely, it's like one nibble more. So like these, these fat dense foods are probably just being mistracked and you're probably eating more than you think. Um, that would be my guess, uh, for that one for sure. Are you supposed to weigh your peanut butter or something? Yeah. That's the most accurate way. Oh. I don't really eat peanut butter very often, but yeah. when I do, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it in like my oatmeal yeah. and that one, it, I just put my oatmeal on the scale and just dump it in. It's actually easier that way anyway. Yeah. Um, I put peanut butter on my banana, but that's about it. Yeah, but you don't track shit. You don't care. <laughs> I can imagine weighing your peanut butter. Yeah, so like what you can do is like put the jar on the, the scale, zero it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. it. Um, but that's, I mean, if somebody's like, so for me right now, like there's certain things I don't track. I don't, I don't track, like I track, but I don't measure yeah. my veggies. I don't measure my meat because I'm pretty good at yeah. eyeballing it. And if I have six ounces instead of four or five, I don't, I don't give a shit. It's like yeah. an extra gram of fat, a couple extra grams of protein, no big deal. Um, but, sometimes I don't measure fruit, but I'm on a bulk. Yeah. So when I shift into a cut, I'm measuring my fruit. I'm measuring my meat. I probably won't measure my green veggies because it's just minuscule. <laughs> <laughs> um, measure my oil. Yeah, uh, I mean, that. just that thing you just said me said to me there is like, a drastic difference. Like, holy Dude, boy. I've had a client. Uh, I had a client. I'll never forget. She was this Greek lady. She used so much olive oil on everything. So I was like, hey, all I want you to do is measure your olive oil. How much How much olive oil do you need to cook with? She's like, oh, like, you know, maybe a tablespoon for like a big dish for my family. I'm like, okay, cool. Because that's a lot of oil measure on it. a plan, you know. Just measure it. That's it. And she literally lost weight. <laughs> because she was just like, oh, I, was, I think I was just eating more oil. Because she would just, you know, dump yeah, oh, it yeah. on and it's like... Or like when grandma cooks and like she's like, oh, I need to get some butter on the pan. It's like half a block of butter. And you're like, gee, Graham, like you're going to boil the food in the <laughs> <Yeah>. butter. <laughs> Tastes good. though. No, I know. <laughs> it's fire. It's so realistic too. Oh, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Same thing with rice. Now that I think about it too. Like think about rice. Like rice absorbs water. So like if you do a cup of rice, mm-hmm. like depending on how much water you put on, depending Dryer. on how much – Cooked. Cooked rice. Okay. So usually when you measure cooked rice, because you cook a bunch and then you measure it, like a cup, like I've done a cup and a bowl, weigh, weigh a bowl, do a cup, put another bowl on it, weigh another cup and see if it's the same. Usually it's not. Um, and if you do it night to night, it's probably different too because, you know, absorbing water and how much water you put in, whatever. So just like it's, it's honestly easier. You use less dishware to just put your bowl on or a plate on a scale and just spoon it on. Yeah. With your, with your silverware. Way easier. Way the more hacks. accurate. The hacks. <laughs> yeah. You can, I mean, realistically, you, you can weigh 
anything. No, it I weigh fucking cereal. Yeah. Like, literally anything. And it's way more accurate. Yeah. So, cheese, butter, everything. The only Crazy. thing that's really hard is oil. You can weigh it, but it's kind of like, well, if you put in something on a scale and then you dump it in the pan, there's still some on the the thing. You know, it's kind of weird. So, like. It's just less then. Yeah. I mean. I usually just do a teaspoon. Like, I just measure the oil. It's yeah. not a big deal. Yeah. But. Just make sure it's not pouring over it. Yeah. Another good example of this. This is the last one I'll say. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, you know those like olive oil sprays? Yeah. Like we have avocado like, spray. Yeah, we don't use Pam. We just use like organic olive oil, coconut oil, olive oil, or avocado oil, whatever. It says zero grams of fat on it, right? But if you read the fine print, it's it's literally zero uh, grams of fat per uh, quarter millisecond spray. Who the fuck is going? <laughs> like you're not, you're not getting you're not getting anything on the van. When I do roasted broccoli, I'm like, yeah, getting olive oil all over yeah. it. So like a lot of people are like, oh, it's you know, it's free calorie. Like, no, it's not. So when you do that, make sure Breathing that you, is calories. <laughs> everything is calories. <laughs> um, when you when you use the spray, add a teaspoon of olive oil into your my fitness pal because realistically, that's what what you're doing right yeah. now. But Touche. And this is where, like, people, you know, they're like, oh, I've, I'm in a deficit. I swear I'm in a deficit. And I'm like, are you weighing your rice or measuring it? I'm measuring it. Are you weighing your peanut butter or measuring it? I'm, I'm measuring it. Are you adding te- a teaspoon with the olive oil spray? No. Like, all these, are you adding your fish oil? Fish oil has calories. You yeah. know what I mean? There's so many little things that are like, oh, shit. That's 400 calories. You know what I mean? You like, say weighing your fish oil? No. But I'm saying fish oil has calories. Yeah, 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 are, you, yeah. are you tracking it? Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. But measuring versus weighing is two different things. You know, weighing is more accurate. So, And a lot of people who think they can't lose weight or they're in a deficit and they're not losing, it's like get your ducks in a row and look at all these things and then tell me if you still can lose weight. a lot of more adherence. Attention to detail, yeah. yeah. And not everybody has to do it. So like I don't get this like this OCD with my clients because a lot of them don't need that. But yeah. when some of them hit a plateau, before I go, hey, we're going to cut calories, I go, hey, like we have two options, lower calories and you can continue – continually be less accurate but you'll be eating less Mm because you're less accurately eating less or we can just get more accurate and keep the calories up and if they're willing to do that we're probably going to see the result too because it's technically creating deficit and if they're willing to do that it's going to create more accuracy down the road yeah it's just awareness yeah you know i mean for education yeah yeah all right let's go to the next question (laughs) shut up cody all right uh lisa svetnich i gotta get these right dude when you when doing a refeed or diet break, are you going back up to maintenance calories or under uh, or under since you may have a new maintenance intake? Or would you suggest a calorie range such as adding 200 calories on refeed days? Probably shouldn't have even put this question in since we already answered it okay. twice. Um, uh, I don't, I don't think short. Yeah, I don't think I can answer it any better than I did before. I would go back to your original maintenance at first, and then I would lower the maintenance as you lower your caloric deficit. It's the best bet. And if you don't know what that is, then I would start small, 50 to 100 grams, and go up from there. All right. Yeah, for sure. Not That's not rude. It's just we just yeah, explained yeah. that. <laughs> Which she probably listened to the other question and was like, oh, perfect. That's answer yep. my question. There you go, Lisa. All right, next question is Emily Shoup. What is the harm or side effects from eating a higher fat diet. I am eating at maintenance and I've noticed I tend to crave higher fat foods. I am 5'5 and weigh 158. My maintenance calories are 2,500. 
average macros for the last week are 225, 95, and 155. Should I change my distribution of fats plus carbs? My goal is to build muscle, and I'm staying at maintenance for the rest of the year. So this one's pretty simple. Um, There's three things I would point out. Number one, is it unhealthy to have a higher fat? No, not at all. Um, If that's what you enjoy, there's nothing unhealthy about it. Um, Number two, if your goals are strength and muscle growth, I would change. That's a lot of fat for somebody like her to be taking. That's 35 grams more fat than I take in. I'm a 181-pound male. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, But it's not unhealthy unless you put on body fat. So this is what I would say is like most likely thing to happen with a higher fat intake is that you're probably going to add a little bit more fat mass to your body because you're at maintenance or a surplus and you're getting more than enough fat for what your body needs. So what is it going to do with it? store it as fat like it doesn't burn it for fuel because you have enough carbs coming in to do that so if you really want to stay lean and build muscle i would cut the the fats down honestly by like at least 20 but 20 to 30 grams and then put those to carbs so you can fuel workouts store less fat um and the only way that's going to be unhealthy for you is if you store a bunch of fat so if you're not gaining any fat then it's not unhealthy by any means um and then the last thing i will say what was the last part of that Should should i change my distribution of fats plus carbs so I would if, if your goal was, is is to build muscle and stay lean. I mean, my goal if, is to build muscle, and I'm staying at maintenance for the rest of the year. Yeah, I would I would probably switch it up. Um, that's a pretty high fat diet, I, and I don't like going high fat and high carb because it's relatively high carb too for her. I would just go one or the other. Gotcha. Um, there was another point I was going to make on it, but I I spaced. I can't remember. Do you want me to repeat it? Sure. What is the harm or side effects from eating a higher higher fat uh, diet? Oh, got it. Side effects. Um. The only other way you're going to see some side effects or detriment or unhealth, like unhealthy issues is if too much of that fat is coming from saturated fat. Ah. Saturated fat isn't unhealthy for you. Um, some saturated fat is good for you. There's benefits to it. That's why like the paleo movement got really into like butter and all that stuff. But too much saturated fat can clog your arteries, can mm-hmm. cause cholesterol issues. Can I mean, saturated fat's solid in room temperature, right? So the way I always look at it is like, what do you think digests or process and burns better in your body? Oil and, and liquid-based, like, fats that just, like, are, you know, fluid? Or, like, this hard, solidified fat? I'm going to guess option A. Yeah. No, option B. Oh, wait. What burns you, better? Option A. Yeah. Yeah. So, I always look at it like that. And there's actually been, like, one study that I think people tried to allude to. I'd have to read the whole study to determine if this is, like, it or if they're just, like, making claims off of it. But essentially what they said is, like, saturated fat's harder for your body to burn because it solidifies at room temperature, which makes sense. Um, But, you know, your core temperature is actually pretty hot, too. So it's kind of like, "Eh, is that true? Is it not? Mm -hmm. Who knows? But what we do know is too much saturated fat is not healthy for multiple reasons. So um, the best thing for you to do is have, like, a – I mean, if you want to get really nitty gritty, we could like say, like I could literally tell you the percentage of monounsaturated fat, polyunsaturated fat, and saturated fat that you need. Um, It's not exactly even, but if we want to just keep it simple for this, like a third of each. So one third saturated, one third mono, one third polyunsaturated. You'd be good. Touche. There you go. All right. Um, Meg Weber is the next question. Can someone with... Uh, adrenal hormonal issues improve aesthetically or is it hopeless? (laughs) That's aggressive. It's definitely not hopeless. Um, Yes, you can, but you probably need to spend... Usually when people come come to us and they're like, I have these adrenal issues, like 
I want to be leaner. I want to build muscle. I want to train hard, like, but I can't. The answer is, hey, you need to slow down for a little bit so you can speed up later. Yeah. So it's like, let's train a little bit less now, sleep a little bit more now. Let's eat a little bit more food now and not try to gain or lose any weight, just maintain or gain some weight. And then, you know, in six months, let's try to diet again because your body will probably be able to handle it. Um, you know, your adrenals can't break. So like if you have HPA axis dysfunction, which is the medical term for adrenal fatigue, um, you can reverse that with eating enough food, proper stress management and proper training. Uh, and then you can go back to do it the other way. But the problem with most people is they get to that position and they can't stop training super hard. Mm-hmm. They can't stop eating less because they fear gaining weight. They're stressed out. So they're not sleeping. And it's like, you're putting yourself deeper into this hole, like get out now so you can get back to diet sooner because the longer you stay in the hole, the longer the recovery period is. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely not hopeless. Definitely. You just have to tone things down for a bit. Yeah. All right. Um, let's do one more. Okay. Uh, next one is from EK Karam 13. Did quarantine benefit the podcast industry? Dude, abs- I mean, I can't say absolutely because I don't know statistics, but yeah, at least in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because I've listened a lot more. Oh. I mean, I don't know if I so like if my, I stimulated the po- podcast in- industry, but my, I mean, my, my one person equals. So it's hard to say because did we hit a million during quarantine? No. I think it was before, right? Yeah. Um, Dude, but quarantine started in March. That's what I'm saying. It's been Shit. we've been in quarantine for <laughs> God oh knows God. how long. <laughs> it might have been. It's so weird, dude. It's such a weird thing. It's like a movie. <laughs> we can't go outside as often. We have to wear masks, dude. I was in the store with Blakely the other day, and this dude is wearing a mask like he's supposed to, yeah. with sunglasses, a beanie, and a hood. <laughs> and I'm like, I have no idea what you look like. Yeah, you know. Like, that's scary. It is. It absolutely is. You could jump me and rob me, and camera couldn't even tell me who you were. Yeah. But um, but it's just a weird time, man. This is so trippy. Uh, <laughs> what part of the movie are we in? It's like, I know. Almost over. Dude, it's like, yeah. I, I think of like a, like aliens coming and infecting the population with something or the air, and we all have to like, you know, it's just weird. We're going to yeah. be wearing gas masks soon. Yeah. Yeah. Be trippy. It's a bunch of people walking around with like, astronaut suits on or we have to like (laughs) we have to suit up before we go outside because it's contagion there's a movie called contagion so it reminds me of Mm. as soon as quarantine hit netflix had like a bunch of movies pop up on the like popular list that was like quarantine yeah uh uh, infected there was uh the contagion like all these different ones so funny um but at first it actually hurt the podcast industry from my understanding because Mm. um, our downloads went down a little bit and I know a lot of just a little bit but I know a lot of people who who their downloads suffered way more than ours you think that's because they're not in the car 100% people aren't driving to work they can't go to the gym the most the two most popular places people listen to the podcast are going to be on their way to work or the gym in the gym or maybe like on their lunch break but like I thought about this when I read this question like do you know anybody that sits on their couch and listens to a podcast? Listens? No. That's what I'm saying. That's why mine went up because I, li- I watched, watched so Joe many. Rogan. Yeah. Joe Rogan's the only one, like one of the only ones that I guess you could say that with. Us? I mean, there's, I mean yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess so. I don't put us in, in category because it's me. I'm not going to watch my own podcast. No, but, but I get what you mean. Other people film their podcasts. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about YouTube. In my mind, I'm just thinking of uh, picturing somebody like this. 
on their couch. Just smiling <laughs> on their couch with, with headphones. Their headphones. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody comes home and you're just... I'm listening to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So weird. Yeah. So I think... It, but it, it slowly picked up afterwards because I think like after a few weeks where things kind of started opening, people were probably getting new routines and... I know, like, a, a lot of people started walking a ton because they realized, like, you know, if you lose weight and you're healthy and fit, your immune system's stronger, you're less likely to have issues from the disease. For or sure. The, is, it a, is it a disease? Coronavirus virus. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, so I think uh, it got hurt at first, and then I think it went up because – actually, I don't know if it went up from where it, what it was, but it went to at least back to where it was. I know for us it didn't really change much because we already did most of our interviews – like through Zoom anyway. Yeah. Um, but some podcast like Barbell Shrug, they used to only do them in person and now they have to do them online, which debatedly helped them because – Help me. <laughs> That's for damn sure. Um, it helped them because they could interview more people, get more – you know, they could continue their content. But at the same time, it's like not the same quality if your listeners are used to like a live audience, you know. Yeah. Which is funny because that was one of the goals with this place, you know. To do everything live, yeah, and then quarantine hit. Yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. Oh, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. Um, Does my pub do live interviews? Yeah, all it, all theirs are live. Um, but do they bring people in? Yeah. Okay. So that's okay. that's like the only way to do it. Oh, okay. Um, I think they've only done like an interview like once or twice, maybe with like in quarantine, really well known people. Oh, oh. Yeah, okay. that couldn't come to their studio or something. Um, but I don't think they do any of that. Are they in Vegas, Arena? Uh, San Jose, California. Oh. Yeah. I think they got a new studio, but I think it's in the same place because I went to the old one, but I don't know if they still have that spot anymore. Gotcha. Um, anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah. It went down a little bit, but. It went back up, I think. I think everybody's. Maybe I'm the only person that watches podcasts, but. I would never do. No, yeah. because there's like a billion views on every Joe Rogan That's fucking true. interview. Billion. <laughs> Dude. Capital B. Uh, Blippi <laughs> has like fucking nine billion views on everything. Who's Blippi? Oh, dude. Blippi. All my parents know who Blippi is. Blippi is this Blippi, guy. Like he lives in Washington. Hot. He actually lives here. He wears these weird blue and orange clothes, and he teaches kids things. So he's like, let's learn about fire trucks. And he, like, goes to, like, a fire station for the day. And, like, he's, like, doing these weird dances. And he's got this weird quirky hat. Like, to the point where I watch him, I'm like, dude, who are you? Like, this is kind of creepy. <laughs> On an adult level. <laughs> On an adult level, what are you doing? And like but Blakely fucking loves it. And it's funny cuz so he literally has like I think it's like 6 million subscribers. Like he's killing it. <laughs> and he goes to like Point Divine Zoo and all that stuff. I know. Wow. I, I was telling Shannon cuz he's like our age. I was like imagine if you went to high school with Blippy and now you your kid watches him and you're like God damn it, Jacob. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like oh my god. What are you gosh. doing, dude? And Whoa. uh but like you know how, like, ads come up? Yeah. So, like, a- an ad will come up in the middle of true Blippi. Coach. <laughs> yeah, true coach, probably. And Blake, like, loses it. She's like, Blippi, Blippi, watching Blippi, Blippi, Blippi. And it's like, okay, okay, okay. Blippi is on, I know. <laughs> Skip ad. Oh, yeah. It's like, fuck. All right. Yeah, Blippi is not, not that cool. <laughs> well, anyway, guys, um, that's the end for the uh, Q&A today. And we will do next one next week. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. 
please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.